today's message is really kind of, um, really, to be honest, it's, it's kind of a life message for me in a lot of ways because I've, I've lived this message way before I ever preached it. And you'll see some of that in just a minute when I, when I share some of this. But uh, t- the title of today's message is called Get Up From The Table. And so, come on, anybody told your kids that before? Get up from the table. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is where we're going to start today. And uh, we're going to read a very, very familiar passage, probably one, no matter if you were raised in Catholic church or uh, a Pentecostal church or whatever type of church you've been raised in, you probably have heard something in regards to this, and you'll see why in just a minute. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to start there. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. All right, let's go. Here we go. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces, and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Now, everybody help me with this part. Do this. Okay, good. All right. Do this and remember to me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Ready? Here we go. Do this. Come on. How many of you have heard this before? Where have you heard this before? What, was, what were you doing when you heard this? You're about to do what? Yeah, you're about to take the Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist, whatever that may be. Um, this is that type of, um, of scripture that's usually read at that. Jesus saying, hey, when you, when you take this bread, when you drink this wine, do this in remembrance of me. So what, what Jesus was trying to tell us was don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Uh, how many of you, just by a show of hands in here, have a problem with forgetting things? Raise your hand. Okay, don't raise your husband's hand. That's, that's rude. Um, so <laughs> I saw some people trying to grab some hands. So I, I, I do. I, at times I do. How many, how many of you have ever like, seen somebody pass by and you see their face, you recognize their face, you know their name, but it doesn't come to you quite yet. You're like, ah, oh, that's, 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 that. You know, you're, they're passing by and you're trying to think. You're like, it's on the tip of my tongue. And it's not until you, like, you go to bed that night and you're like, Susie, Susie, that's, that's what it was. I mean, you know, it always happens like that. Or, or there's been times where you, has anybody missed a birthday? Anybody forgotten a birthday? Anybody forgotten an anniversary? No, don't raise your hand. I don't want to bring up sore subjects. Okay. Um, any time there's names or places or things, um, anybody forgot a child somewhere? Any, any fi- Come on, let's just admit it right here. Okay, I, I have forgotten children before. Um, I said children. That's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> multiple ones I have forgotten. I, uh, a couple months ago, we were at Oshner's in New Orleans for my youngest son. He was in the hospital for a little, little stint, and we were... Lindsay and I kind of have like this rotation thing where one of us stays at the hospital with our son and then one of us sleeps in the hotel because you don't sleep in a hospital. So we kind of do this little off and on thing. So at least one of us gets, gets sleep. And so one of the things that we do is anytime you drive the car somewhere and you come back and you park it, especially in those big old huge parking garages that those hospitals have, then it's your responsibility to tell the person where you parked it. So Lindsay went, got, got us dinner, came back, and so I'm, you know, grabbing my bag, and I'm going to the hotel, and so she's like, I parked on, you know, uh, I don't remember what it was, level two or whatever. So, you know, I get to the parking garage, and I'm on, on level two, and how many of you ever been in this, this, maybe you've been like at an LSU thing where, or Walmart, and you're like, you're hitting your button, and it's like, boop, 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 boop. Y'all, y'all ever done that, and like you're trying to track it down, you do it. so I hear it. And I'm walking. I mean, this garage is massive. So I'm walking throughout this whole garage, and I'm hearing it, but I'm not seeing it. 
And then I called Lindsay, and she was like, I told you, level three. I was like, no, I'm on level two. So it was happening above me. Um, so I had to climb up uh, the elevator again and, and go up there. But this is what I, this is what I know, and I, I think this is in your notes. You can write this down. We often forget what we're supposed to remember, and we remember what we're supposed to forget. Is this not the case in life, that we often forget what we're supposed to remember, and we remember the things that we are supposed to forget? Any of y'all maybe remember some, some music from your childhood or your teenage days, and then when that song comes on, you're like, oh, that's my jam. And then all of a sudden, you start saying those words to those lyrics that you haven't heard for like 20 years. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Or an old school movie comes on, and you start repeating the lyrics or the 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 lines of the movie. My wife is a human jukebox, by the way. If you're ever with my wife, she is a she 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 is white on the outside and soul on the inside. Uh, she raps. She does all of it. Okay, and that is no lie. I'll bring out some videos sometimes. You can see. So, but she spits lyrics like nobody's business. But it's the funniest thing because she can remember. Like, she can remember what I was wearing when I proposed to her. But this is funny. But she can't remember what she said that morning. She couldn't, she's got like a vault. Any wives in here got a vault. You can remember things like forever, and then you do something like, what, what am I doing here? What, why, why, am I, why do I have the kitchen door open? What's going on here? Like, it's crazy how we can remember the things that we should forget. We forget the things that we should remember. And this happens not only... In the natural, this is also spiritual things. Like, we can remember movie lines and music quotes and lyrics, but we can't remember scripture. Or, or we remember things in our past that God is trying to get us to forget, but we can't remember the promises that God says for our future. And so we, we go through this. This is a life battle that we have that's going on. This is a situation. Where I, I want to I kind of set up the scene here. So we're in a movie theater, so let me set the scene. So in this story, Jesus is in the Last Supper. Jesus is, this is the last meal that he's having with his 12 disciples before, before his crucifixion. And so this is a moment for him. And John chapter 13, we're going to go read in John and Luke. Both of those are both books that give accounts of this story, of what happens at the Last Supper. Many of us know it. <clears throat> But I want to give you maybe a, a, a bit of a different perspective on what happens on this night. Because most of us remember about, the, uh, about the, the bread and the wine and the symbolism of that. But you, most of us don't know what actually Jesus did that was actually even bigger than that that happens. So John chapter 13, verse 1, watch this. It says this, Jesus knew that the night before Passover would be his last night on earth before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. All throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had what? What's that word? Demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. And now he longed to show them the full, what? Measure of his love. So I want you to think about this. Knowing what's about to come his way, Jesus in this moment wants to take time to show love. How many of you glad that we don't just serve a God who just says he loves you, but he demonstrates he loves you? He showed he loves you. This is the God that we serve. And so let's, <clears throat> let's set the stage. All the guys are in the room. Jesus is breaking the bread. Hey, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. 
while this is going on behind the scenes, there are men that are plotting to kill Jesus. The disciples are in the room clueless to what's going on. They're just, they're just there, just having a little meal with Jesus, not, not fully aware of what's actually happening in this moment. They know that they're celebrating Passover, but they don't realize what actually the significance of this moment. And Jesus is about to give his disciples a visual illustration that they're never going to forget. Or at least he tells them to never forget. And it's not just communion. Think about this. Jesus, in the next 24 hours, is about to go to the most gruesome, most horrific death a man could ever do in this moment. And Jesus is saying things like, this, is, this bread is broken for you. This is my body. This wine represents my blood that's poured out for you. Question. As Jesus is doing all this, what do you think is going in the minds of the disciples? Well, the great thing about the Bible is that different books of the Bible give us different perspectives of what goes on at the same time. So if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's the Gospels, but it's written from four different perspectives. And all four of them, um, or three of them, share this story of this moment, but they all give different perspectives. So I want to read Luke's account. Watch this. Luke's account of this moment with the Last Supper. Watch what the disciples are thinking about. Ready? Then they, speaking of the disciples, began to argue among themselves about who would be the what? Is there only two people in this room? Okay. About who would be the what? Greatest among them. Watch this. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lorded over people. Yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the among you should take the lowest rank. The leader should be like a servant. And then here he goes. Now he poses a question. Who is the most important? Guys, we're all sitting at this table. Who's the most important one? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves the table? Well, of course, you can. all the guys are going, the ones who sit at the table. They're the prominent ones. That's where kings and queens and royalty, they get to sit at the table. Those are the most important people, of course. And then Jesus says this, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. All right, so let's... Yet again, set the context of what's going on. So, so they're having this meal. Everything is, seems to be going well. But what you fail to realize is that whenever there was, you would invite people over to your house for dinner, if they were the guest of your house. Now, you have to realize most of these people were walking around everywhere they went, whether it was by, by horse or mainly by foot. Now, they didn't have adidas or nikes or pumas on okay they had like new testament crocs okay so they had come on somebody they they had some sandals all right that's all that they had so their feet were nasty their feet were filthy um which by the way we have shoes and i still think feet are filthy come on anybody in here like feet are just nasty for the most part feet are filthy um y'all ever just looked at some people's feet and you're like man those got some mileage on them okay y'all like they've they've got some wear and tear on those you know what i mean I've looked at some people's toes, and I'm like, I thought there was only five. I don't know why I'm counting six. Like, there's one, two, three. There's something growing. It's like pigs in a blanket. I don't know what's going on there. 
It's weird. Um, and, I, and I've ever, have y'all ever wondered this? Okay, welcome to your pastor's mind. Have you, have you ever wondered at what point do, do feet go from being cute to being nasty? Because y'all know when you're like playing with a baby's feet, and you're like, oh. Like this little piggy, this little, like you've never done that with your grandfather. Um, if you have, there's other issues probably that are going on in your family. At what point does it like, at what point does it stop? Is there an age limit? I've always wondered that. Is there an age limit to where feet are like, you know, you don't kiss them anymore? You're like, mm, uh, that's the furthest away from my lips I would want. Okay. So, and you've ever, you ever gotten a pedicure? Like, most of it's run by most oriental people. You know they're talking about you the whole time, right? Y'all are like, you know, they're just going off on you um, and how nasty your feet are. And so, so it, was, it was customary, okay, ready? It was customary in those days for a servant. So if you were hosting a party, you would have a servant that when your guest would come in from walking everywhere, that the servant would wash the feet of your guest, because, here's why, yet again, you're sitting at a table. When you think sitting at a table, most of us think like a dining room table sitting out with chairs. So in Jewish customs, you don't sit at a table with chairs. Like, you actually sat on the ground. The table was very low, and you would kind of recline. Well, guess where your feet are going? <laughs> yeah, I'm already getting grossed out already. Like, oh. <laughs> um, so, so think about this. Ready? These guys are sitting at the Last Supper. No one washed feet. There was no servant. So these guys are all sitting around the table with funky feet. I'd be like, Peter, get your funky feet away from me right now. And so Jesus sees this moment as a moment to teach a lesson. Because in this moment, the lowest of the low were the people who served and washed feet. These guys were so consumed with their seat at the table that they bypassed the water basin and hurried up and got a seat at the table because they were more consumed with getting a seat at the table. These, and so you ever, um, who's got kids in here? If you got kids, raise your hand. You ever kids in, okay. Do y'all have your kids do chores? Like, do they have to do stuff around? Like, I, in our house, like, I have to remind our boys, like, everything that's in our house, I own. Um, like the TV that they watch, I paid for. The electricity that they use, I paid for. The house that's in there in, I paid for. The food that they just ate that came out of that cupboard, I paid for. Um, come on, somebody. So when they want to get ungrateful, I just remind them who's, who's the boss. And so I tell them, though, even though it's all the stuff is mine and I graciously let you use it, we all use it. So your dirty clothes is your dirty clothes. That's your trash. You pick it up. Come on, any mamas in here always getting your kids to pick up after themselves? Um, and so we'll, we, have, we have things in our house where, like, it's not even chores. Like, my, my, my son will be like, man, my dad, like, my, my friends, they get allowances. I'm like, I give you all allowances too. I allow you to live in my house. I allow you to eat my food. I, come on, any parent in here? Like, why am I paying you? What's he talking about? You should be paying me. Um, so, so they have to do responsibilities around the house. So one of them is, like, you know, cleaning dishes. And so I'll be like, okay, hey. We need to get dishes done. Mom cooked, so we need to do dishes. And never fails almost every night. One of the boys goes, it's not my turn. I, I already did. I did, I did it. I did it last night. Or I did it Tuesday. Or I did it. It's not, it's not my turn. That same kind of mentality, though, is also in the church. 
that same mentality is also in our culture. Of no, no, that's not that's not me. I I I, I don't do it. I, and so I wrote down things that that I've said and things that I've I've heard people say when it comes to service and serving people. So I wrote down a couple of things. If you want to write these these things down, first one was it's not my responsibility. Ever y'all ever heard anybody at work ever say that? That's not my responsibility. I don't get paid to do that. I don't get paid to do that. That's that's not my responsibility. I don't, I don't do it. it. It happens in our home. My boys want to do that as well. That, that's not mine. That's, that's not my responsibility. And, and almost like this moment that Jesus is having with these disciples, and these disciples are all sitting at the table, and they all got their funky feet everywhere, and, and, and Jesus is, is almost wanting to go, hey, what's going on, guys, here? And, and it's almost like the 12 guys go, that's not my responsibility. Like, Jesus, where's the servant? There should have been a servant here that should have done all that. That's not, that's not my role. Another, another thing that people say is, someone else will do it. Someone else has got that. That's, someone else can, can handle that. I, I, there's a lot of people here. I'm sure someone's going to take care of that. Or the one that I love the most is, I'm just too busy. I, you know, I just got a lot going on. I'm just too busy. Which, by the way, the story of the Good Samaritan is a story of religious people who were too busy. Do you all know that, right? They were on their way to prayer and a man was beaten up on the side of the road, and they go, hey, I'm praying for you, <laughs> and took off. This is what they were saying. I got other things I need to do. I can't tend to this right now. And so here it is, Jesus, in his last supper with his disciples, go, I'm going to show you what love really looks like. You ready? I, I'm going to step in and do something. Now, before I get to that, I want, I want to give you some thoughts here. Any of you ever been to a restaurant where you had a really bad waiter? Like a bad waiter. Then have, think about this now. Have you ever been to a restaurant where you had a really good one? Like a really good one? So I started writing down things that I think make an incredible waiter. Now, who in here has ever worked in the restaurant business? Like you've been in the restaurant, like whether waiter or waitress or cook or, okay, yeah. So uh, probably those in here that have ever worked in a restaurant, you probably have a lot of empathy for people who are waiters or waitresses because you know what they've gone through. But I'm going to tell you, there are some things that set you apart as being a phenomenal waiter or waitress. So if you are a waiter or waitress, you might want to take notes. This might be good for you. Watch this. Number one is this, they go out of their way. They go out of their way. Some of the greatest waiters and waitresses I've ever had were ones that went out of their way to make sure that I was taken care of. So even no matter how crazy the night was and how many tables they had going on, they were always going out of their way to make sure that our experience was amazing. Number two, they are attentive to your needs. So a very good waiter is not waiting for you to ask if you need a refill. They're bringing a refill before you even ask. How many know that's a good one? When they're like this, and you're like, oh, another one? I'm going to pee all over me. <laughs> they're taking your plate as soon as you, you're done. They're, 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 just, they're always attention to detail. Very, very attentive to what's going on and to your needs and where, where it is. That's why, by the way, that's why I love Chick-fil-A. Come on, anybody love Chick-fil-A in here? Hey, you should. That's God's chicken. Don't you, don't you diss God's chicken. And so if you've ever been to Chick-fil-A, listen, anytime you leave and they go, my pleasure, you know Jesus trained them, okay? And so if you've ever been inside of a Chick-fil-A, especially with children, you know it's different than Burger King. 
Because you go up in a Chick-fil-A and you got kids all over the place and then you go and you order, it's crazy because they'll have people come out and they'll like wrangle your kids with you. Like, come on, let's go sit down. I mean, I, I'll, I'm almost to the point where I want to test them and go, hey, can you take my kids over there? I'm going to eat in peace. You know, and they probably would. They probably would. But just, just a heart of servant to want to, to go out of their way to be attentive to your, what your needs. Number three is they deliver what you need. So when you ask for it, you don't have to keep asking for it multiple times. Like, hey, I need a refill. Or, hey, can I, can I have some ketchup? Or, hey, can I have, like, whatever you need, they're going to deliver it. They're going to make sure that it's there. And then number four, this is the ultimate reason why I go eat out. They clean up your mess. Can I get an amen for people who clean up your mess? Come on. I, I just go out so I don't have to do dishes. Uh, my boys are always like, Dad, can we eat out? Yeah, you just don't want to do dishes. You're lazy. Okay, so this is... This is four things that a very, very good waiter or waitress is. Now, watch this, okay? There's a reason why I'm doing all this, because y'all are like, man, you're just making me hungry. Jesus did all of this. Let me show you. Jesus went out of his way. Think about this. Jesus, the Son of God, came down from heaven, a place where he was worshiped by angels, and came and served us. Notice, Jesus also was attentive to your needs. How many are glad that you serve a God who knows your needs before you even ask? He doesn't have to come to you and go, what do you need? He goes, I already know what you need. He's also one who delivers what you need, that he gives you everything that you need for all that he's called you to do. And then here's the best part, ready? Jesus cleans up your mess. He cleans up your mess. So everything that we look for in a good waiter or a good waitress, we got in Jesus. Jesus came. Jesus knew our need. Jesus gave us what we need. And Jesus cleans up our mess. So watch what happens And now in John chapter 13, verse 4. Watch. So all the guys are arguing. Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest? And watch. Here we are. Verse 4 says, and he, what? Got up from the table. He took off his robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Think about this. The very table the disciples were fighting to have the best seat at. The very table that the disciples were fighting to get at so they could eat something. And if we're not careful, we can fall into the same self-absorbed way of living life where we don't recognize that our Savior, our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords got up from the table. He got up from the table. We serve a king who got up from the table, grabbed a towel, and put it around his waist and began the process of washing the disciples' feet. This is what God was telling them through Jesus, that even I can do this. I can do this. I, um, I went to our, our 8 o'clock service in Jennings this morning. I was there for a little bit. So every time I preach here in Jennings, I always go stop in at our 8 a.m. service. And um, so um, I park pretty far away from the church because I always want to make sure that our guests have the best parking. So I usually will park pretty far, and then I'll walk. We have a sidewalk that goes all the way up to our church. And as I was walking, I was noticing there was trash like three or four pieces of trash in our grass, like all in different parts. And so I'm, I'm picking up, you know, going into the grass and picking up trash, and I'm walking down towards our, our doors, and we got our greeters that are there at the door, and they're 
they're, um, they're there. And so one of the Dream Team guys that's on our team, he said, Pastor Josh, why are you picking up trash? And I looked at him and I said, why would I not? Just because I'm the pastor of this church doesn't mean picking up trash is below me. Like, because I'm the pastor of this church, I set the example of how it is to serve at this campus. And if I can pick up trash, anybody can pick up trash. If it, if it was cleaning the toilets or whatever, it, there's no task that's below me. Because here's what I know. Ready? If you are too big to do little things, you're too small to do big things. If you're too great in your own eyes to do little things, then you're too little to do great things. So when I have guys that come up to me, and man, it happens, all, it happens more in Jennings than ever, and they go, Pastor Josh, man, I got a word I want to preach. This is what I tell them. Hey, can you go clean the men's bathroom for me? <laughs> no, Pastor Josh, you don't, you don't know. Like, I got a word. Like, man, I want to preach. Yeah, can you go clean the bathroom toilet for me? No, 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 you don't understand, Pastor Josh. No, I do understand, because if you, can't, if you can't clean the toilet, you can't stand on that stage and preach. Because if you're too great to do little things, you're too little to do great things. And if you'll do the things that nobody sees, then maybe God will give you the things that everybody sees. But until you can willing to do the things that nobody sees and get no credit for it and no glory for it, you can't do the things that everybody will see to get all the credit. Because if you can't get that in that stage, when you get on the stage, you'll be eaten up by what people think about you. This is the story of our self-absorbed culture where we come into this place not realizing that we serve a God who gets up from the table. Watch what John 13 verse 12 now says. So after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down back at this table. Watch, here he goes. And he asked a question. Do you understand what I was doing? Hey, which by the way, anytime Jesus asks a question, he already knows the answer. Just wanted to let you know, okay? He, just want, he wants to see if you know the answer. So he asked, do you understand what I just did? I mean, yeah, you washed our feet. I think I kind of understand. And then he goes this, watch. See, you call me teacher. You call me Lord. And you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash what? Each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to who? To you. All right. So here's what you need to understand. If we're not careful, we can see the illustration but miss the message. Okay. This is what Jesus is. Let me say what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying, okay, we need to start a foot washing ministry. Everybody needs to go around. You need to start washing people's feet. Hey, by the way, if you were to go and do that to somebody right now, they'd be like, step away, fool. Get away from me. Like, we ain't washing feet right now. This, Jesus was not giving us an example to go and say, hey, you need to go start washing people's feet. He was just showing them this. Ready? This is what he's saying. You want to be great? Great. Great. Jesus has no problem with them wanting to be great. They were arguing over who was going to be the greatest. Notice Jesus never says, you don't need to be great. He doesn't say that. He says this, great. You want to be great? That's great. But let me tell you how you become great. You become great by being the least. You become great 
by being the servant. You want to be a leader? Great. I want you to be a leader. You're going to go change the world. But by the way, the only way you're going to change the world is if you know how to serve the world first. This is what he is teaching them in this. He's giving them a new definition of what it is to be great. How many of you have ever seen the show Undercover Boss? Y'all know what Undercover Boss is? Where the, the CEO or the, you know, some of the head guy or girl of the organization goes into the company and dresses up as somebody else and then does the jobs that he's asking his employees to do. And usually what ends up happening is that CEO or whoever that is, head person of that organization, usually learns a lot more about his company because he's willing to go and step down and do that. How many know Jesus is the greatest undercover boss? He is the greatest undercover boss that there was ever known because in this moment, Jesus steps down from heaven, enters into broken humanity, serves these guys for three years, displays his love to them and to other people. He touched people that nobody else would touch. He did things nobody else would do. And on his last moment with his disciples says, you know what? Instead of giving these guys a lecture, I'm gonna teach them a lesson and I'm gonna do it by washing their feet. I'm going to show them that if when I'm gone, you want to change this world, this is how you do it. You pick up a towel and you start washing people's feet. And Jesus gives them a new definition of what greatness is. So I want to give you two thoughts today as we wrap up today's message. Number one, greatness in God's kingdom is not about the title, it's about the towel. Greatness in God's kingdom is not about the title, it's about the towel. You think that just sitting at the table and getting filled and eating at the table is the most exciting thing. It's not. Getting up from the table and serving those who are at the table is actually where the greatest joy is found. My wife and I just hosted a, um, a dinner for all of our staff last night, um, and it was great. We had 20-plus people from our, from our team over at our house, so all this week, my wife has been planning this huge hosting thing. So we got tables, and we got nice plates. We don't even get nice plates. Okay, they all got nice plates, and, like, there's candles. Like, I haven't seen a candle in my house in 10 years. Okay, there's candles everywhere, and there's, like, all of this stuff that's happening, and she prepared this incredible meal. And so the whole night, my wife was walking around. Are you, are you good? Are you good? You okay? How's the food? like this, taking plates, and people are done. My wife and I are taking plates. When everybody else left, guess who was cleaning up? Yours truly, <clears throat> along with my wife. Why? Because it was our greatest joy to serve our team who has served us. Because it's not about the title. It's about the towel. What you need to understand is, everybody in this room, God gives you a towel. He gives you a towel. Your towel represents your time, represents your talents, it represents your treasure. And most of us want to get to heaven and show God this nice, pristine, white towel. Look, God, look what I did with the towel. I, I'm going to tell you, I, I really think that one day when we get to heaven, 
God's not looking for white, pristine towels. I think he's looking for towels that have been used for his glory, that have scrubbed the dirt and the feet off of humanity, that have been used. Come on, when I get to, when I get to heaven, I pray my towel just looks like a little rag. Because I'm like, God, I did everything that I could with the towel that you had given me. But unfortunately, so many people have lived their life for the towel being just about them. And about what they want. And about meeting their needs. And God's going, listen, it's not about the title, it's about the towel. And you say, well, Pastor Josh, how can you talk about this? Because I've lived this. So for those that don't know, I... I've been a part of our Savior's Church going on 19 years. Our church will celebrate 20 years next month in January. I've been here for almost 19 and a half of those. I did not start with where I am today. So when I came on, on staff at our Savior's Church, you know what my job was? Whatever Pastor Bubba needed me to do. That was my title. Pastor Josh, whatever Pastor Bubba needs me to do. So I started as the youth pastor helping out with youth. But for the first, I don't know, probably almost eight years of our church. I mowed the grass of our church. I cleaned the toilets. My wife and I were the janitors for our church um, for a number of years. Uh, then I moved into a role where I served as the kids pastor for a number of years. Then I led worship. Then I did other things. And what I began to realize that it was all about the towel, but it was amazing that when I was living my life for the towel, that God then began to give the title. See, because here's what we fail to realize. We live in a society where everybody wants to title, but nobody wants to towel. But here's what God says. Here's, I'm going to tell you right now. So two months ago, I was given the, the baton was passed, or last month, I was given the baton was passed to me to be the senior pastor of this church. Do you know why? Because for 19 years, it's all been about the towel and not the title for me. It's been about the towel. I want the towel to be what I'm known for, not the title. And here's what I know. This is what God says. I want everybody to listen to me. God says, if you'll be faithful with the towel, he'll be faithful to give you the title. But if you go after the title, he'll only leave you with a towel. How many of you know people that just want the title just to have the title, but they're not servants at all? You know what? You don't like following those people. Those are the worst bosses. Hey, by the way, they're the worst husbands too. They're the worst marriages. The greatest marriages is when you have two servants. Two servants. A wife and a husband willing to both give their towels to serve one another, to outserve one another. This is what this church has been built on. By the way, this is why Crowley Campus is the way that it is. So Pastor Zach left, and our Savior's Church Crowley kept going. You know why? Because it was never built on one person. It's never been built on one person. It will never be built on one person unless that one person is only Jesus and Jesus alone. How I many know we are a church that is committed to all being the church and circling together, helping one another? So listen, so... You show up at 10.30 and get your coffee. Guess what? That didn't just show up there. Someone had to get here early and make that coffee. And someone had to get here early and make this cinema a church. And someone had to get here early. And it wasn't just a someone. It was someone's. 
multiple people that do that. Come on, how many thankful for our setup and our teardown team? And when you leave, they'll stay back and they'll break down for the next 45 minutes and they'll give half of their day on a Sunday, which they could be doing so many other things. But you know why they do it? Because Jesus is why we do it. Because Jesus is the one who came. Jesus served. Jesus gave. So the greatest in God's kingdom is not about the title. It's about the talent. Let me give you number two, and we're done. Greatness in God's kingdom is shown not by how you love God, but by how you love people. Now you're not going to like me. Because if you tell me that you love God, but you don't love people, you don't love God. You don't. Because you can go read all throughout the Gospels. And definitely, I've been reading all throughout 1 John this past week. And 1 John, especially chapter 3 and chapter 4, are just devoted to this idea that if you love God, you love people. If you love God, you love people. If you love God, you love people. And you want to know how you love God, the greatest test to determine how much you love God is how much do you love people. Now watch this. This is my favorite part of this whole story. So we're at the Last Supper. Jesus just got done washing all 12 of these guys' feet. Okay? Then he says, hey, do you understand what I did? Okay, I don't think y'all understood what I did. This is what greatness looks like. And then watch this. Jesus washed the feet. Ready? Everybody pay attention. Washed the feet of 12 guys who would abandon him. One guy, ready? One guy who would deny him three times and one guy who would actually be the one that paid for, to get paid to hand him over to Judas. Now, I don't know about y'all. Judas better be glad I wasn't Jesus. Because if I would have been washing feet and I would have got to Judas, I would have been like, Judas, hey, come here. And then I would have shoved his head into the water and waited till the bubble stopped. Because how many of you know, Jesus knows what Judas is about to do. That's why Jesus tells Judas, go do what you got to do. Do it quickly. Think about that. And before he did that, he washed his feet. Oh, Peter, who's going to deny him three times. I don't know that man. I don't know that man. Jesus has washed. Can you think about what's going through Jesus' mind as he's washing the feet of men who are either going to abandon him, who are going to reject him, or who are going to deny him? Can you think about what's going through Jesus' feet? And Jesus goes, you know what? I'm going to show you what love looks like. I'm going to love you even when you don't love me. Ready? Here's how you know how much you love people is because in this moment, whether it's been people that have abandoned you, people that have denied you, or people that have betrayed you, you can still love them, not because of them. You love them because you love God and because God loves you when you're at your worst. Come on, how many know you can love people when they're at your worst? And so here's how you know you love God. If you still have hate towards your ex, you're not loving God. 
If you still have hate towards a brother or towards someone or towards a coworker, you don't love God. You need to understand how much God loves you. How many know when we were the furthest from God, when we didn't want to have anything to do with God, he still loved us. He still gave his son for us. He gave it in advance for you and for me. And today, because of what he's done for me, I can look at people around me who have hurt me, who have betrayed me, who have left me, and I say, I love you, not because of what you've done. It hurt, but I love you because God loved me. And because God loved me, I can love you. And so this is what 1 John chapter 3 says. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Now, I don't know if y'all had this in elementary school. In elementary school, one of my favorite things was when we had kind of like art time they would give us tracing paper. How many remember tracing paper? Anybody remember tracing paper? I don't even know if they have that anymore. So tracing paper made every single four-year-old look like Michelangelo, okay? Like, it was amazing. Tracing paper, the way tracing paper worked, you'd put the tracing paper on top of whatever you wanted to draw, and literally, you could just trace around whatever was the image that you were doing, and you hold it up, and it looked like, you know, you looked like you were amazing. But it was only because it was tracing paper. This is what Jesus is telling us today. Listen, we need to just trace the pattern. I wasn't a good artist, I was a good tracer. Ready? How can I love people who have hurt me? I can't, but because of what Christ has done to me, I just fall, I put my life on top of his life and I love like he loves and I serve like he serves and I, and I forgive like he forgives and I give mercy like he forgives mercy. Hey, whatever mercy I give to other people, come on, how many know I want that from God? Whatever love I give to people, I want that from God and I've gotten that from God and because he's done that for me, I can do that for other people. So trace the way he's loved people. Trace the way he's accepted people. Trace the way that he served people. This is how we do it. As we say, God, less of me and more of you. Come on, how many know you can't do this apart from the Holy Spirit? You need the power of the Holy Spirit to help you to do this. And so Jesus says it this way. Remember me. Remember me. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Remember me. Remember my example. Remember the towel. Remember. Remember. Hey, when you break bread and you drink the cup, Don't just remember it as my body being broken and my blood being poured out. Remember, I served you when you were at your worst. Remember, I went to a cross for you. Remember what I've done for you. And how many know the quickest way to forget what we can do for people is when we forget what Christ has done for us. So today, we remember. You ever... um, You ever pull up to a restaurant and you see a bunch of people like are outside? Um, I don't know if you're like me and my family. When we pull up to a restaurant, my oldest son, Josiah, is like the, he's like, I, I sick him and I say, Josiah, go find out. And he goes and he runs in. I'm asking him to ask one question. What's the one question I'm asking him to ask? Anybody know? How long's the wait? How long's the wait? It's one question I want to know. How long's the wait? Because I want to determine if we're going to go here, if we need to go somewhere else. So I'm asking how long's the wait. This is, this is why we're asking that question. Because you're needing someone to get up from the table so you can have a seat at the table. Right? That's pretty much what a wait is. I'm waiting for a family to get up from that table so I can go sit at that table. How many of you know, everybody listen to me. 
Crowley is asking that question of our Savior's church. How long's the wait? How long's the wait? At what point will OSC Crowley say, I'm going to get up from the table. You can have my seat at the table because I've gotten Jesus and I want you to have Jesus today. Come on, how many know Christmas services are about us providing a place for people to have a seat at the table for them to come and meet Jesus and have an encounter with Jesus? How many know you've been filled with what God's done in your life? How many know it's time for us to let other people get what God's done in our life for their marriages and for their homes and for their families and for their relatives and for their coworkers? This is what we do, that we get up from the table and go, you know what, I'm, and I'm, I wanna tell you, I don't go to Sunday, I don't go to church for me. I get God during the week. You know why I go to church on Sunday? So I can give God to those around me. So I can give God to those around me. I'm, just listen to me. This is how you know you're growing in spiritual maturity. When you're not going to church on Sunday just for you, but it's so you can give to other people what God's already done in you. Are y'all with me? Less of me, more of you. The greatest joy in life is when I say less of me and more of you. Father, we love you. And God, in this moment today, God, may this message be a reminder to all of us to not forget, not forget, not forget the example that you have laid for us to remember it's not about us. God, today for many of us, this is, this is a spiritual and biblical principle that you share all throughout scripture that God when we live for self our life is miserable but God when we die to self when we give away of ourself God when we get up from the table say you know what it's it's not about just what I can get today God I, I want what you have for others God, I pray for those that are in this room this morning. God, maybe they're in a place where they desperately need you. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are here to fill the need. You know the need before they even ask, but you can fill the need. You can meet the need. You clean up our messes. So, God, we're so thankful for that. Thankful for you that you didn't just say you loved us. You showed you loved us. God, may we be a church. May we be followers of Christ that don't just say we love, but we show we love by what, the way that we give, the way that we serve, the way that we honor, the way that we speak. God, I pray, Lord, as, as so many are going to step into their workplaces tomorrow, it's so easy for us to be so self-consumed even in a workplace. But God, I pray tomorrow that they would be looking for opportunities to be a servant, to be a blesser, God, to, to help those around them. God, that in our, in our desire to want to live for you, God, I pray, Lord, that you would use our example. What an incredible opportunity during this Christmas time. Even as we're gathered around other family members, maybe family members that there's still hostility there. God, maybe family members where there's, there's, there's still issues. God, the greatest thing we can do in this season is not to preach at people. The greatest thing we can do in this season is to love people and to serve people. And God, to be your hands and feet in this season. And God, I pray, Lord, for every person that's here, God, that you would help them in that. With all heads bowed, 
in this moment right here, if you're here in this place and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity today. Because really, in order to love people the way Jesus loves, you have to first receive the love that God has for you. The beauty of this story is the day after Jesus goes and dies the most horrific death, but he does it because he loves you. Your shame and your guilt and your past, none of that could stop Jesus from loving you the way that he loves you. And he gave his life for you. And it's as simple as ABC. The Bible says we can be born again if we admit that we're sinners. We believe that Jesus died on a cross for me and for my brokenness. And we confess him as Lord and Savior of our life that he will make us new. If there's anybody in this room and you have not had that moment to surrender your life to Jesus, I want to pray for you. And on the count of three, I want you just to shoot your hand up. No one looking around. This is just a moment between you and the Lord. And I want to be here for you. I want to pray with you. One, two, three. If there's anybody in this room, come on. Hands going up all across this room. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Right back there. Thank you, man. Six. Anybody else? This is just a moment. Thank you. Awesome. I want you just to repeat this after me. And I just want you to pray this. There's nothing powerful that's in this prayer. It's in the posture of your heart today as you pray this. I I just want you to mean this as you say these things. I want you to repeat this after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die a death that I deserve to die. You took my shame, my guilt, and my sin, and you died for it. And you rose again to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Now, come on, I want you to say this with all your heart. Say, today, Jesus, be my Savior. I turn from my sins to be born again. God, be my Father. Jesus, be my Savior. Holy Spirit, be my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, OSC, can we celebrate with those?